Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast here. As always, I'm Colin, and once again, no Austin. He is still in suspension, revoked the StreamYard access. He's not popping in here this time. It's just me doing a solo show. Call me Iron Man Colin Decker here because I don't miss a show, even when Austin is out for several weeks. Um, today, going to be bringing you some a real Canton Bound episode. It's going to be a Dynasty Rankings update. So I went through and updated my Dynasty Rankings here. Now, obviously, we're still going to have some shakeups here with free agency. Uh, this does, doesn't include the rookies at the moment. Uh, we're still working on putting those in. Still have a lot to finalize on that end, too, uh, with their grades. I uh, still got to watch some tape on some of those guys. We still have the combine for them. But uh, this is just kind of an overlay of, the, of each position, where things kind of stand as a position as a whole, and where I have some of the players ranked, some of the tiers I have here. Uh, but before I get into that, we have the freshman and supplemental draft guide dropping next Wednesday, March 1st. That will be six days from when you are listening to this. I think I'm not great at math, so I apologize, but it's dropping on Wednesday, March 1st. We have over 180 players written up. 180 players is your standard 12-team, 15-round supplemental draft for your C2C side. These are full write-ups on 180 players. We're talking about their strengths, their weaknesses, the situation they're going to be entering, and all of that good stuff in the write-up. We have athleticism scores and an athletic comp for these players. We have tiered positional rankings. We have depth chart information. Now, a lot of that still going to shake out here in the spring. Same with some transfers. Uh, people will climb and rise on depth charts. So this is more who's in the positional room, and it's a good gauge of the competition that they'll face. And we have so much more in this guide. Pre-orders are available now. If you pre-order it, you will get an email at midnight on March 1st right into your inbox. It's going to have a link that you'll be able to download this on at 12 p.m. 12 a.m. on the dot. Uh, you're going to want to pre-order this now here. If you are an NIL yearly member, you'll also get an email at midnight with a link to this guide. And if you're a scholarship yearly or grandfather tier member over at the site, over at campusthecanton.com, you will get an email with a promo code that will be good for one free guide of your choice. You can definitely use it on our freshman and supplemental guide. This is a one-of-a-kind guide in the industry. You're not going to want to miss this. So go get go over to campusthecanton.com, get your pre-order in now, so that way you have it immediately. Uh, before we get into the show here, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great pods. You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking for additional NFL or CFF content, Fantasy Points is a great resource, so head on over there as well. All right, into the positional rankings here. Uh, we'll start with the quarterback position, naturally. It's kind of always where everybody starts here, and... The quarterback position as a whole in Dynasty is shallower than it has been for the last couple of years here, probably like the last four to five years. We are really seeing some of these 
former top guys leave and we aren't really having too many people replace them. Um, you know, guys like uh, Tom Brady just retired. Matt Ryan fell off a cliff. Uh, he's still on a milk carton out there. We have no idea where he's at. Um, you know, we saw guys like uh, Aaron Rodgers. He just emerged from his darkness retreat, whatever that means. We have no idea if he's going to play. Seems like he is, but it's not going to be in Green Bay. Where is he going to end up? That's going to shake up his ranking here. You know, we saw some other guys retire recently too. Big Ben um, retired last year. You know, so so this is a, a little bit more of a shallower position than we've seen uh, in recent years here. Now, at the top, we have the elite tier of two guys. These guys are going to be stalwarts at the position for like the next decade at least. We're talking Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. You're splitting hairs however you rank them. Uh, I can't fault you for having either one ahead of the other. I have Patrick Mahomes ahead of Josh Allen. I've always been just a little bit bigger of a fan of Patrick Mahomes and that Andy Reid offense. But Josh Allen, phenomenal, phenomenal fantasy asset there as well. So hard to fault you if you have Josh Allen ahead of him. Uh, moving down into the next tier, we have a strong tier of four players in this next tier. These are four guys that I think you could feel really good about long term. They are four high-end fantasy QB ones. Um, you know, they're they're guys that should perform for you year in and year out. Uh, we have I have them ranked here as Jalen Hurts, uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson. Now, Jalen Hurts did finish this past year as the QB one from a points per game basis. He had a fantastic year. I have, will fully admit I've done a full 180 on Jalen Hurts. I did not think he was a good passer coming into the league. I think a lot of people agree with that or agreed with it at the time. Uh, and he is a great example of the development that you can have at the NFL level if you have a, a strong work ethic like Jalen Hurts reportedly does. Uh, he also brings you know a ton of value there with his legs. He's a true Konami code QB. So Jalen Hurts uh, heads the tier... Uh, heads my tier two here. Um, and honestly, these guys could be tier one and the Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen guys could be tier zero. If, if you rank them that way. Um, I, I, th I think that Jalen hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, all, uh, will be, if you, if they're your QB one, you're happy. Um, Joe Burrow had another great year here this past year, you know, and he just keeps racking up the, the stats. I mean, he finishes the QB four in a points per game basis and in, in an overall points basis. Um, so it, it hard to find any faults with him there either. Um, Justin Herbert is the guy that I have next. He had a little bit of a down year. Uh, he finishes the QB 11 overall and the QB, the QB 17 in a points per game basis. Uh, now there's a couple QBs in there like Davis Webb. Um, shouldn't even really be in there. Sam Howell also really shouldn't be in there. Um, they only played one game each. So if you're removing them, QB 15, bit of a down year for him, but still a really good player. Still a player you can count on pretty much week in and week out. They had some issues with the wide receiver core this year. Got to figure that that's one of their top needs here. They'll likely address that in the draft. And I think this is a pretty deep class. Uh, maybe they get bringing a free agent as well, but 
moving forward, if they have a stronger wide receiver core, you know, they get somebody over there to, to compliment uh, Allen and Mike Williams, maybe somebody to stretch the field and, and take advantage of Herbert's big arm. I think he'll vault right back up into that, you know, top five, uh, to at least top 10 perennial quarterbacks for you for fantasy purposes. Um, and then the next one, I have Lamar Jackson. Uh, I mean, Lamar Jackson, really the only reason he is behind Herbert right now is due to the uncertainty of his current situation. I am, I am operating under the assumption that he will be back with Baltimore, but there's been a lot of smoke around him not coming back, around them not giving him what he wants and him looking elsewhere. I think if that happens, it's a tag and trade situation. Baltimore can't really afford to lose him for nothing, but we don't know where he's going to end up. We don't know what that offense is going to look like. Uh, it could limit him a little bit. So that's why I have him behind Herbert right now. Now, Lamar Jackson had a great year. I mean, he finished 14, uh, he could be 14 in, in total points, but he only played 12 games. So if you extrapolate that out to a points per game basis and remove Davis Webb, who had that one random good game, um, he finished as the QB six in a points per game basis. And I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're looking for. And what a year was, was also kind of a down year for him. You know, if he does return back to Baltimore, they have, they bring in Todd Monk and a new offensive coordinator. I think this is going to be a more pass heavy offense than what we've seen out of Baltimore in the past couple of years. Now I don't expect them to come out here and, and throw 40 times a game or anything like that. That's just not Lamar Jackson's game. And Todd Monken's a smart enough uh, offensive mind that he's not going to have his quarterback do something that's not his strength. He's going to play to his strength a little bit more. But in Todd Monken's time at Georgia, uh, they passed at an above average neutral game pass script. So they were throwing the ball more than average in neutral situations. And when Todd Monken was in uh, Tampa Bay and Cleveland in the NFL as offensive coordinators, you know, he was averaging about 4,000 pass yards uh, a game or a season from his, from his quarterback. So I think we can see Lamar throw a little bit more. Uh, and I think that'll boost his stock up a little bit. You know, obviously I don't think he's ever going to stop running the ball. He's just way too dynamic of a player to take that element out. So I think the addition of Todd Monken, if Lamar Jackson stays, it's only going to be a good thing for him. Um, so he is another guy that I feel very comfortable about if, if um, he's my QB one, um, you know, then we move into the next tier of guys and this will, this will call these the tier two guys. Um, these are, it's a good tier, six quarterbacks that you feel pretty good about if they're your QB one, you know, maybe, um, you know, not quite as much towards the end of it, but, uh, Dak Prescott. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, and Tua. Deshaun Watson and, and Tua, you know, with Watson and his legal situation, we think that's resolved, at least in the eyes of the court. We think that's kind of passed. He should be on the field here moving forward. We don't know if anything else is going to pop up, but when a guy does something like that, it, you know, it's hard to hard to trust moving forward. So I, I don't feel great about that. And, you know, some people may just not want a guy like that who, who's capable of allegedly doing something like that on their team. So hard to fault you if, if you're in that boat either. Uh, and then you get down to Tua, Tua with the concussions. I, I'm assuming he's going to be good to go for next year. Um, but 
that's always got to be in the back of your mind. It's got to be in the back of his mind. It's got to be in the back of um, Miami's mind, at least a little bit. So, you know, if he's my QB one, I'm a little worried about it. Um, but Dak Prescott this year at the top of my tier here. So he is um, my QB seven in dynasty right now. Uh, and it's just steady Eddie. You know, he is a, a good quarterback. He's going to continue to be a good quarterback. It's a good, uh, pretty high volume offense. He's got a, a number one wide receiver. He's going to produce for you week in, week out. It's not going to, he doesn't have the ceiling as some of these other players, but if you're somebody who values consistency at the quarterback position, and, and I do, uh, then, you know, you're, you're going to want Dak Prescott. Um, he finished this past year as, as the QB 14 um, in a points per game basis. Now that was, you know, again, in, in a little bit of a down year here. So I think that he's just going to kind of hover in that QB eight to QB 14 range every year. Um, again, just punching the clock, you know, collecting a paycheck and, and, and helping out your fantasy squad. Uh, the next one down for me at QB eight, I have Justin Fields. Uh, he had a huge year this year, um, finished as the QB five in a points per game basis. A again, removing Davis Webb, um, who has one game. And, and all of these stats are, by the way, are coming from fantasy pros over there at their site. So I'm basing these off of half point PPR. Not that it matters that much for quarterback. Um, but Justin Fields had a really great year because Chicago finally let him loose and let him run. Now it took towards the end of the year um, for them to do that. He started off a little bit slow uh, the first couple of weeks, but if we can see that type of production, that type of rushing production moving forward, you have to feel good about that because, you know, Justin Fields has the arm. He has the passing ability. Uh, he does struggle a little bit with, with some reads, uh, you know, especially in facing pressure, but, you know, we don't really care that much about that for fantasy. Um, he's going to be the starting quarterback somewhere. I'm assuming he's going to be the starting quarterback in Chicago. I think Chicago would be absolutely insane to trade him uh, and then draft another quarterback at one. Like, I just don't think that is a smart idea. You know, Justin Fields, you saw what he could do. Why would you take a gamble on a rookie? We know rookie QBs at the top of the draft bust all the time. Look at Baker Mayfield. Look at Josh Rosen, look at Zach Wilson. Look, these guys bust. You know, I don't know why Chicago would ever trade Justin Fields. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think they're much more likely to trade that first overall pick. So Justin Fields coming back to Chicago and staying in that same situation, you also have to think Chicago is going to, in some capacity, invest in another pass catcher because those pass catchers they have right now are just not it. Darnell Mooney is a fine complimentary wide receiver. Don't believe in Chase Claypool. Uh, Cole Komet's a fine tight end, but they need somebody to give Justin Fields. And if they do give it to him, I think he can ascend up into that tier one uh, if he gets a little bit better passing volume. Uh, moving to the next one, uh, I have Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Trevor Lawrence this year finishes the QB eight overall. Uh, and the QB 13 in a points per game basis. Uh, again, I, I think this is just going to be another case of similar to Dak Prescott, where he is just going to finish perennially in that QB 8 to 14-ish range, uh, back in QB 1, high end QB 2, year in, year out. Trevor Lawrence, probably for like the next 12 years or so. 
Uh, and I think he has the ceiling to get even higher than that as well. Um, I think he has the ceiling to get up into the Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert area as well. So if he's my QB one, I do feel pretty good about him. And he did it with a kind of patchwork wide receiver core as well. I mean, Chris, Christian Kirk is fine. Zay Jones is, is fine. Um, Evan Ingram is a solid tight end, but he's a free agent. So, uh, you know, if Calvin Ridley can come back and be a wider num well, number one wide receiver for him, probably not in year one right off the bat, probably going to take a little bit of time for Ridley to get back on the field and get back up to speed. But if he could be a wide receiver one, we could easily see Trevor Lawrence jump up into uh, that tier one with uh, Herbert and Jackson. Um, so I think that despite Fields and Lawrence being behind Prescott right now, for me, um, I think those two guys have ultimately have a higher ceiling. Um, so, you know, if you value that ceiling a little bit more then I, I could definitely see them being above Prescott, no qualms with that. Those three are tight grouped very tightly for me. Um, Kyler Murray is the next QB that I have there. And I think that he, with the departure of Cliff Kingsbury, we don't know exactly know what that offense is going to look like next year. And we don't know what his passing volume is going to look like next year. I think he is a good quarterback. You know, I think he is a franchise quarterback. I think Arizona is lucky to have him. He does have some good weapons. So I'm not overly worried about him, but it is enough that he's kind of in a uh, slightly behind uh, Lawrence Fields and Prescott in that next group here um, in this tier two. So if you break it down to mini tiers, it would be, you know, Prescott, Fields, Lawrence, Murray, and then uh, Watson and Tua. Um, but Kyler Murray, I, I do feel pretty good about him from a fantasy perspective moving forward. He may not have the ceiling that we hoped for and wanted at, at one point in time. But again, if he's your QB1, you, you're pretty happy with that. Uh, and then this, this next tier down in tier three is tier of 13 players that I feel okay about but not great and it's kind of varying levels in between there um russell wilson is at the top of this tier and he's almost in like a mini tier of his own within this i think he's gonna bounce back um but i i would be lying if i said i felt great about it after that abysmal year that we just saw from him so you know sean payton coming in the, those weapons I could easily see Russell Wilson jumping back up into that tier two, like, you know, hanging out with, with Watson and Tua, but it was a bad year this year, man, just bad around. And, and Russell Wilson just did not seem to gel real well with the guys there. So I am a little concerned. So that's why he's kind of at the top of this tier three. The next guys down, I have Trey Lance who I am still operating under the assumption that Trey Lance is going to be the starter in San Francisco. I think Brock Purdy is essentially just Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I, I think he is a fine game manager quarterback who can keep an offense on schedule, but isn't anything uh, to write home about, isn't anything phenomenal. So I, I don't think you bench Trey Lance with the ceiling that he offers. And after the um, uh, capital that you spent to get him, if you're San Francisco, I don't think you sit him behind Brock Purdy. You already know what Brock Purdy is. You need to see what Trey Lance is. So I think he's going to be the starter in San Francisco at the beginning of the year. 
uh, assuming he's fully recovered from his injury, which it sounds like he will be. Um, so I am operating to the assumption that Trey Lance as a starter there, he is a high ceiling quarterback given his rushing ability, given his big arm and given the offense that San Francisco has, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan does run a pretty efficient offense there. We've seen several quarterbacks uh, operated at a pretty successful level and none of the quarterbacks were as talented overall as Trey Lance was. Like I said, Brock Purdy, Jimmy Garoppolo, CJ Beathard even operated at a pretty decent level at one point. So yeah, if Trey Lance is the starter there in that offense, I think he has a really nice ceiling. Um, I could see him getting up into that tier one as well, but it's way more risky for him just given that they do have a competent backup in Brock Purdy um, that it could be a short leash for Lance. Short leash for Lance. Uh, the next three I have, I have Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr. All three of these guys are pretty uninspiring options. I mean, Daniel Jones had a nice year this past year for New York, which I mean, I don't want to say came out of nowhere um, because, you know, if, if you knew that, um, you know, knowing Brian Dayball coming in and knowing his work that he did with Josh Allen, you could assume that he was going to be able to make Daniel Jones at least competent. Um, Daniel Jones ends up finishing as the QB nine overall. Uh, and then in terms of fantasy points per game, he ends up finishing as the QB 10. So I think that Daniel Jones is probably going to resign in, in um, New York. It sounds like it's trending that way. If he does, and, and, and you know, I don't see why you wouldn't rank him. I don't see why you would rank him lower than this. I mean, sitting at my QB 15, I feel like that's a good spot for him. Uh, obviously, I would not want him as my QB 1. Uh, but if he's my QB 2, I feel okay about it. Um, you know, and then looking at Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr, these are just low, uh, low ceiling, high floor guys that'll, you know, just be consistent. They'll put up good numbers for you. Now we'll have to see where Derek Carr ends up. Um, and that could affect some, that could affect his ranking a little bit, but I don't see him really dropping below any of these other guys behind him because there's some pretty significant question marks with some of these guys behind him. Uh, we have behind him, I have Jared Goff and Geno Smith. Two guys who um, are on their second chance already, and they are doing well with their second chance. You know, Geno Smith almost like his third, fourth chance at this point, but you know they're doing well in this opportunity. They were both productive from a fantasy standpoint this past year, but I don't feel great about their longevity. You know, Geno Smith is already thirty-two at this point, I believe. So he's already an older quarterback. He's been around for a while. You got to figure Seattle at some point is going to want a quarterback of the future. They're already potentially even being rumored to take somebody this year. I've seen them connected to Anthony Richardson in a number of mock drafts. So, you know, we'll see how long Geno Smith hangs on to that job. Jared Goff, kind of similarly, you hear Detroit, you know, connected with some other quarterbacks at times. And I think they're ultimately going to want somebody else who can elevate that offense maybe even a little bit higher although you know jared goff was was good this year you know so i think those two guys are guys that if they're your qb2 for fantasy this going into this year you feel okay about it assuming they both survive draft day as you know without them bring their team bringing in somebody else but it's more of like a year-to-year -year basis with those guys uh, and then the next two down 
are, are two young guys, uh, Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett. I have both of these guys here in this range because I think they're ultimately low ceiling quarterbacks. Um, I They don't have the fantasy ceiling or the fantasy success that we've seen out of Jared Goff and Geno Smith this past year. Um, kind of the same thing with Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr. I mean, Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr are both guys who have finished as you know, back-end QB1s, high-end QB2s before, where I think Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett are just guys who are going to settle right smack dab in the middle of that QB2 range, you know, probably hanging out around QB like 16 to 20 every single year. It's probably going to be for like the next decade though. So, you know, if you value that mid-tier quarterback like that, that mid-tier QB2, then they have some value for you. Uh, And then after that, we have Matt Stafford, who obviously coming off of that injury, he's been injured a couple years in a row now. Um, I don't know exactly know what this LA offense is going to look like next year. Um, they they lose their offensive coordinator. Sean McVay reportedly was flirting with like retirement or moving on in some capacity. He does get Cooper Cup back. Um, Allen Robinson is there as well as a complimentary option who's meh. Um, they don't have, this isn't the offense that, that we, we saw a couple of years ago, like two years ago, even. Um, so Matthew Stafford could have maybe one more QB one year in his belt. Um, more likely like two or so QB two years. And then I think he's hanging it up. So there's not much longevity there. The ceiling isn't quite there what it used to be. So I, I don't love Stafford. Uh, and then we have Jimmy Garoppolo. We don't know where he's going to end up. He's kind of in the uh, kind of in the Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett bucket, but just a couple years older. Sam Howell sounds like the uh, commanders are going to give him an opportunity to be the starter. If he is given the opportunity to be the starter, if he does survive draft day without Washington bringing in another quarterback and survive without, uh, you know, a Jimmy Garoppolo type coming in or, you know, without Washington signing somebody else. I, I think he has some potential here. You know, he only played one game, but he averaged 19.26 fantasy points per game, uh, which was ahead of Kyler Murray, which was ahead of Geno Smith and Daniel Jones. You know, it was inside that top 10. So I don't know if, you know, 19.26 fantasy points per game is is going to be repeatable for him every single year, but he is, you know, he has some mobility to his game. He, he can move around. He can pick up some extra yards. Uh, he has a nice arm. I, I think he can operate that offense. That Washington offense has some really nice weapons actually as well. And Terry McLaurin with Jahan Dotson. They have Curtis Samuel as well. So they, they have some pieces there. He could be an intriguing option, but there's still a lot of risk for him. So how's a guy who I could see climbing up a little bit, but ultimately uh, the risk is keeping him suppressed. And then the last guy in this range I have is Aaron Rodgers, who we don't really know if he's playing this year. We kind of think he is. It's going to be going to a new situation. Uh, who knows how many years he has left after this. So he, you know, if he's my QB two, I'm looking for somebody else at this point. Uh, but what it really comes down to at the quarterback position is I want two of those guys in, in my top, uh, top two tiers or, you know, it's a tier zero with Mahomes and Allen. Um, if, if I can get, if I have to dip into that tier three, I'm not nearly as comfortable. Uh, and, and I'm probably wanting a, a, another option just to be safe. 
moving into the running back position here, this is another position that I think is, I don't want to say shallow, uh, but there's definitely some question marks on some of these guys. You know, the top, I, I have my my tier one, my, my it's a strong tier four players that we feel pretty good about. Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Brees Hall. You know, McCaffrey and Barkley saw a career resurgence here, um, which is definitely encouraging. Um, Indianapolis has, hopefully they're, they're getting their offensive line back healthy. They're bringing in a new staff. I'm hoping that they use Jonathan Taylor the way that he should be used. Uh, you know, give him, give him the ball, let him be a bell cow. He, cause he has a, a high ceiling there in that offense. So I, I do like Jonathan Taylor a lot. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, both top five options this past year. Barkley is a free agent, so who knows where he ends up, but I think he's going to be good wherever he ends up. Um, they're a, little, a little bit shorter of a shelf life, most likely those two, but they are, are probably your, your RBs one and two and redraft next year. Uh, and then you're looking at Brees Hall is my RB four at the moment. Uh, and, and I mean, he, it was a short sample size. It was only seven games, but he did finish with 15.1 fantasy points per game in, in half point PPR you know, which was good for the RB seven. So I think he, and, and obviously the, you know, the jets bring in a, a new offensive coordinator, um, but don't necessarily love the hire, but Hey, you know, it is a new offensive coordinator. And I think that he is, uh, I, I think Brees Hall is, is still going to be productive no matter who the offensive coordinator is. Um, so I, he rounds out my top tier there. You know, the next tier down, if you're wondering, you know, where was DeAndre Swift? Why was why was he not in that top tier? And I think we just saw this past year that he isn't going to get this huge workload like we were, were hoping that he would. He's not going to have the volume of some of these other guys like those top four. So he is a notch below them for me. Now, he is a, a pass catching back and a very, very good one. Half point PPR, full point PPR. I still think he's going to be a very good running back. You know, I, Jamal Williams, um, he's fine. And they did like to to feed him around the goal line, which does worry me a little bit about Swift. But Swift was, you know, Swift was still solid this year. Um, he finishes the RB 22 in points uh, in overall points and the RB 20 in points per game. So, and I think this was a down year. I think we're going to see a little bit of a bounce back for him. But it is enough of a worry to keep him out of that top tier for me. Uh, the next guys down, Kenneth Walker, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb. Um, those guys are all guys that I think you can feel pretty confident in producing next year at an RB1 level. Um, you know, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook have done it for, for years, and, and I don't see any reason why they're not going to do it again. Um, Najee Harris, everybody, you know, and rightfully so, um, he had a down year. So everybody has kind of been harping on that, but I think he's actually kind of a value right now. I think he's kind of a buy because he finishes the RB 14 overall in points per game. So he does still get good volume. He catches passes. The Steelers offensive line was not good. I think they're going to address that this year. So I think we're going to see a little bit of a bounce back from Najee. Maybe he doesn't get up to the quite to the level that he had, you know, in uh, in 2021, but he's still a, a top back for me here. So I still like Najee. And then, you know, Kenneth Walker, 
we like the running back for Seattle, kind of whoever it ends up being. You know, Walker was the guy who kind of seized the reins there towards the end of the year and looked really good doing it. Uh, I think moving into next year, he's going to be the guy from the beginning of the year. So uh, he is my uh, my RB6 at the moment. Um, and, I, and I didn't necessarily love him as a prospect coming out, uh, but situation matters. And he's in a great one there in Seattle. Uh, the next group down in this same tier, you know, there's 11 backs in this tier, guys that I feel pretty solid about. Um, Travis Etienne, Josh Jacobs, J.K. Dobbins. All three of these guys are guys that I think are going to be back-end RB1s, high-end RB2s next year. You know, I mean, we saw a fantastic year out of Josh Jacobs. Uh, I mean, he finished as, as the RB4 in points per game, RB3 overall. But he is a free agent. We don't exactly know where he's going. So he's a candidate who could rise depending on where he ends up. If he ends up back in, in Las Vegas, I think I would raise him up. You know, if he ends up in another situation, uh, he could just end up being being good. You know, and and maybe he doesn't, you know, he's not a world beater for you. Maybe he's not a, a league winner for you. But I think no matter where he ends up, he will be pretty solid. Uh, and then looking at J.K. Dobbins, the next one there, uh, he... Coming back from that injury, he only played eight games this past year, so he didn't look fully recovered. Uh, he did have another surgery in the middle of the year to kind of clean things up. He had some nice games. I think he's going to get back to back to his, his old self, uh, and I do like him in that offense. I, Gus Edwards is there, I know, but he's just kind of a guy. I think Dobbins is, is significantly better. Uh, and and Monken coming in, I think that will help the offense as a whole um even though they'll be a little bit more pass heavy i think that's still going to help out the running game as well so i still like dobbins you know he's a guy that i'm a little bit concerned about for sure but uh, i'll trust the talent here at the moment and then the next two guys in this tier the last two derrick henry austin eckler um two top tier redraft guys uh, they're just older backs. They don't have quite the same longevity, so they're a little bit lower for me. Uh, and then moving into the next tier, guys, there's 13 guys in this tier, and they all have question marks. Um, Javante Williams in this tier injured his year and knee at the beginning of the year here. Uh, we don't know when he's going to come back. I was assuming at the start of the year, um, but I haven't heard too much news on him lately. Uh, and you know, Sean Payton is, is coming in as the offensive coordinator. I think that's going to help him. Um, but we've only seen a very small sample size from him. So it, it's hard to move him too much higher than this, given what we've seen so far, but he is definitely a guy who could climb up into that next tier if he re fully recovers from injury. Uh, cause we, we saw Melvin Gordon really kind of was dust at the end of the year. Uh, they, they had a couple other backs like rotate in and out in Denver and and none of them really were the answer. So I think when Javante does come back, if he is fully healthy, he will likely be the uh, at least the one a in that backfield. You know, the next guy on the list here, I have Alvin Kamara uh, with Kamara. He has the legal issues going on right now. So it's hard to say exactly what's going to happen with that. He is also a little bit older as well. I mean, when he's on the field, He's he's fine. He's not quite the same back that he was when he was with Sean Payton. Um, but, you know, he was he was a really solid back this year. Finishes the RB 18 overall. So, you know, it was it was all right. Uh, and, and I think that that's 
I don't want to say his floor, but because he could obviously, you know, if the legal issues drop significantly lower than that. But in terms of being productive on the field, I do think RB18 is about his floor. I think he'll probably hover in the high end RB2 range moving forward. Um, next, the next guys on the list, David Montgomery, Aaron Jones, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, and Damian Pierce. These are all guys who I think are, are fine. Um, but they're all guys who don't really offer the same ceiling as some of these other guys do. Now, Aaron Jones does, we've seen it from him before, but he just took a significant pay cut. Uh, so we doesn't seem like Green Bay is all that enthused about him. They also have A.J. Dillon there who's going to siphon off some work. So I think ultimately Aaron Jones is, is going to be stuck in a committee backfield. Doesn't have the same security that uh, some of the other guys do. Um, you know, looking at Damian Pierce, he wasn't a significantly high draft pick. So there's always the possibility that he gets replaced. Kind of the same thing with Ramondre Stevenson. But I do think both of these guys are are going to be relatively safe. Uh, the Patriots and, and, te- and Texans both have bigger needs than running backs, and I think they like these guys, so they are most likely safe, uh, but they don't have the, the ceiling as some of these other guys do. Now, you know, Ramondre Stevenson did have a really nice year this past year, finishes the RB11 uh, overall uh, in terms of points per game. He finishes the RB14. Um you know, and, and Damian Harris was injured for for a lot of the year, so I think that plays a little bit of a role in it. I think that RB eleven is probably his ceiling. I think the uh, you know RB fourteen to eighteen, probably more the range where he settles in. Uh, and then the next guys down: Miles Sanders, um, Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott, Cam Akers, James Connor. Sanders and and Elliott, both free agents, or Sanders and Pollard, both free agents. So we don't exactly know where they're going to end up. Um, If Pollard ends up back in Dallas, I think that he'll be, he'll have a really nice year, but it's, I I think it's going to be hard for him to necessarily repeat the RB7 performance that we just saw from him. But if he does end up back in Dallas, that also does hurt Zeke. You know, Zeke finishes the RB19. I don't think Zeke is dust by any means but he doesn't offer the same ceiling that he did that he used to before he's just going to be a a ho-hum rb2 for you which has some value for sure but uh definitely belongs in this group here in this tier and antonio gibson doesn't seem like the commanders really want to use him the way that he he could be used i mean if antonio gibson was on let's say kansas city i think he could be wheels up he could be an rb1 but in in Washington, I think that Rivera wants more of a, a thumper of a running back, more of a grind the ball guy, like a Brian Robinson Jr., the guy that they they drafted last year. Um, so I think that limits Gibson's upside ultimately. Uh, and then Akers, you know, we saw three phenomenal games at the end of the year, but the year before that was absolutely terrible the, the whole rest of the year. We thought he was going to get cut or traded at one point. He didn't. I also think that Rams offense is not going to be particularly great next year. So he definitely has some question marks here. Uh, And then James Conner, just an an older back a little bit. It's it's going to be a new offense. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Uh, He is kind of limited overall. He's not a a great pass catcher, Um, but volume is king. And and it doesn't look like there's anybody else on that roster right now who's going to take it from him. So. Question marks for sure, but probably a solid RB2. 
Uh, and then the last guy in the, in this tier is Isaiah Pacheco, who uh, we saw him kind of break out a little bit towards the end of the year. I'm still a little skeptical about that overall. Uh, we, we're going to see Clyde Edwards-Alaire come back. I don't think he's totally dead yet. I think he's at least going to siphon off a little bit of work. We also saw Isaiah, um, uh, Jarek McKinnon uh, do really well with Pacheco there, and he was the pass catcher. So if they operate in a role similarly to that next year, uh, that does limit Pacheco's ceiling and give Jarek McKinnon a little bit of a higher ceiling. So that's just a little bit of a murky backfield. I'm not ready to go all in on Pacheco yet, like I do see some people doing. So I have some concerns with him. Uh, then moving into the wide receiver position, uh, the wide receivers, the top is is very strong. I think there are nine uh, really strong wide receiver ones. You know, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddell, CeeDee Lamb. Um, Jefferson, Chase, Brown, Hill, all very high-end guys, all still pretty young. Um, Hill's a little bit older. I believe he's about 28 at this point. Uh, but he's so dynamic that it's hard to hold him out of, out of that top group. Um, Cooper Cup, also a little bit older. You know, I believe he's, he's 29, 30 at this point, coming back off of an injury. But as long as Stafford's there, I still trust Cooper Cup to put up some, some huge numbers. I mean, Cooper Cup in a points-per-game basis last year was the wide receiver one in points-per-game. It was only through nine games, but still. I mean, he, he came back and he did he had the exact – same start to the year that he had before. So uh, I still think we could trust Cooper cup there. So I keep him in this top tier here. Um, Devonte Adams is going to have a new quarterback as well, but I'm not overly worried about that. I think Adams is the type of game that's going to age. Well, uh, he's just a very good receiver all around. Uh, so I'm not overly worried about him or his age. Um, Stefan Diggs tied to a, a tier zero elite top tier QB in Josh Allen. Um, Diggs is still a very good wide receiver. So, uh, you know, Diggs definitely belongs in this tier. Yeah. And then the back of this, uh, we have Jalen Waddle and CD lamb. Um, Jalen Waddle finishes the wide receiver seven, uh, overall on the year, but he was extremely boomer bust. And I think you, as long as he's paired with Tyree Kill, you, you're going to have to live with those bust weeks. I mean, Tyree Kill was much more consistent on the year. Jalen Waddle had some huge weeks, uh, but he also had some real duds too. So as long as you can live with the the boom and bust there from Waddle and and the, the big variance, you know, I think he's still a, a very viable wide receiver one. And C.D. Lamb. Uh, you know, tied to Dak Prescott in that offense, he's very much clearly the wide receiver one at this point. Uh, he's just going to kind of be pretty steady. I mean, he finished the year as the wide receiver six overall. So I think, and he's young too. So I think he's the the last guy that I feel really strong about as a wide receiver one. And then moving into the next tier, guys, uh, we have Debo Samuel, um, DK Metcalf, Amon Ra, St. Brown, Devonta Smith, Chris Godwin, uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jerry Judy, T. Higgins. Um, Debo Samuel, you know, we saw the emergence of Brandon Ayuk this year. Um, we saw a bit of a resurgence from George Kittle at times. So see, Samuel didn't have quite the same year he did the year before that. Still think he's a very good wide receiver. I still love him in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, but, you know, 2021 was probably the best year we'll ever see from him. So he's a little bit below those top guys there. 
Um, DK Metcalf, kind of the same story. Uh, you know, he he was fine this year. He finishes the wide receiver 18. Uh, I, I think he will finish a little bit better than that. He had a down year this year. I see him finishing, you know, this is probably being his floor as a finish. Um, and if they can continue to get good QB play out of Geno Smith, I still really like DK Metcalf. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown with the Detroit Lions here. Uh, you know, they're going to get Jamison Williams back, but Jared Goff, as long as Jared Goff is the quarterback, he loves to pepper the slot targets. He loved Cooper Cup. Uh, I think he's going to love Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be the chain mover for him. You know, maybe he ends up being, Amon Ra ends up being a little bit limited in terms of touchdowns, but volume is going to be king. And I think he's going to get a ton of it. Um, Devonta Smith here is another guy that I was probably too low on entering this year. And, and definitely some of that had to do with how low I was on Jalen Hurts. But the other bit has to do with, I, I didn't think that the Eagles offense would be able to support two top 12 wide receivers. And they had AJ Brown and I was pretty confident AJ Brown was going to be that guy. But they, the Eagles offense was was very good this year. It funneled really through those two guys in the past game and, and, you know, a little bit through Dallas Goddard as well. Uh, and I think that's going to continue moving forward. So Devontae Smith was, was very reliable this year. He also had some very like pretty big weeks too. And I think that's something we can expect moving forward. So, you know, he's a guy that I moved up. Uh, he's in my wide receiver 13 right now, but you know, I, I wouldn't fault you at all if you had him at the top of this tier, honestly. Uh, but you know, wide receiver 10, yeah, that would be very reasonable. Uh, next one, I have um, Chris Godwin here, who is a little bit older. Uh, he's about 26 at this point. We don't exactly know what his quarterback situation is going to be with Tom with Tom Brady retiring, but I still think he's a, a very good wide receiver. I don't think it necessarily matters who the quarterback is going to be for him. I think he's going to be able to produce. Uh, he's going to be a quarterback's best friend if they go with a, with a rookie quarterback uh, or if they bring in a Jimmy Garoppolo guy. I think he's a guy who can you know, elevate the play of his quarterback. Um, uh, you know, Godwin has been banged up a little bit over the past couple of years, but he played pretty much a full year this past year. Um, and he put up a really nice season. And, and I think that's something that we're going to continue to see from him. I still believe in Chris Godwin. He's a guy you might even be able to get a little bit at a discount right now. Cause I don't think that people necessarily realize, um, that the season that he had, uh, you know, he, he finishes a wide receiver 20, um overall he was, was a really nice year this year and that was with the the tampa bay bucks offense being down um the next two guys i have are garrett wilson and chris alave both rookies both phenomenal years this past year both young guys uh the thing that really holds me back with those two is the quarterback situation you know garrett wilson we don't know who the quarterback is going to be in uh new york with the jets there that they've been flirting with a lot of these free agents uh, if he gets better QB play uh, and he gets, you know, let's say Derek Carr or, or Aaron Rodgers, you know, I think you could very easily justify moving him up a couple spots. Um, but if he ends up getting stuck with, you know, Mike White or, or Joe Flacco again, um, he's he's not going to produce quite like you want him to next year. So he's very QB dependent at this point, I think. You know, and then you have Chris Olave, who kind of in the same boat as Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be quarterback dependent I mean, they have Jameis Winston who can be fine. Um, but he also, you know, it's, it's hard to trust him 
too much moving forward. They, they also may replace him at some point. He only has one year left on his contract. So I could see them going with a rookie at some point um, or bringing in somebody else. Uh, if they bring in somebody else, I think that, you know, Alave could raise up as well, kind of like Wilson did. But if they don't, I think Alave will kind of hover uh, in this same range and probably have a similar year to what he did last year, which, which is the wide receiver 25. Maybe he even beats that a little bit. And then the last two of Jerry Judy, T. Higgins. Um, Judy, I, I, I still believe in him. I still think he's the best wide receiver on that Denver team. And if we see that offense bounce back a little bit, um, I, I think he's going to be a beneficiary there, especially with Sean Payton. Um, Sean Payton's had some, some pretty successful wide receivers, especially in the slot. So I think that Jerry Judy could definitely benefit from that. And then T Higgins, yeah, he's the wide receiver too on his own team behind Jamar Chase. But, uh, you know, I still think T Higgins is a very, very good receiver in his own right um, and is still the type of guy who can be very productive for your fantasy team. You know, he finishes the wide receiver 17 uh, overall this year, uh, but he only played 15 games. And through those 15 games, he did finish as the wide receiver, as the wide receiver 15. So, you know, he, he's going to hover right in that range, I think. And it's very consistent. Uh, and then after you get past those guys, I have a huge cluster of 20 guys. And I'm obviously not going to read off all of these guys, but uh, or go in depth on all of these guys. But all of these guys have some question marks. Um, Traylon Burks, Rashad Bateman, and Derek uh, Drake London are all at the top here. All young guys, all guys who are the wide receiver ones on their offense, but we don't know how productive of a passing attack these offenses are going to have. There's definitely question marks here. I know I said Monken is going to uh, pass the ball a little bit more, but Monken does have a history of targeting the tight ends a little bit higher than an average. You know, at, at Georgia, Brock Bowers was the guy there, and I think that's more just a result of his talent, but when Monken was in Tampa Bay, those were the years that Cameron Brait had really nice years and OJ Howard had really nice years as well um, at the same time. So I think we can, we're, we're look, probably looking at like 100 targets here for um, Mark Andrews. So what's left over for Rashad Bateman? I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and Drake London going to be really tied to quarterback play. As long as Desmond Ritter's there, I don't feel great about that at all. Um, so we're probably looking at a 2024 for Drake London. He's honestly a guy that could fall a little bit here. I wasn't the biggest fan of him uh, coming out as a prospect. I thought the Falcons reached on him in the draft. Uh, I think he's just fine as a wide receiver. I don't think he's going to be a true difference maker or a true wide receiver one. Um, Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman are uh, Michael Pittman Jr. The next two. And those guys are wide receiver ones in their offenses as well. Uh, but McLaurin in, in Washington does have some more competition there with uh, with with Samuel and um, Jahan Dotson and is probably going to be looking at Sam Hartman as the quarterback, who is not a rookie, but essentially a rookie because he only played one game. Um, so definitely question marks with him too. Michael Pittman Jr., we don't know exactly know what that offense is going to look like. We don't necessarily know who the quarterback is going to be. So concerns there. The next two, I have George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, both guys for Pittsburgh. I think that Kenny Pickett can support one of these guys. 
And I do actually think it's probably going to be Pickens. Uh, I think he's just a better wide receiver overall. Not that Deontay Johnson's a bad wide receiver, but George Pickens and Kenny Pickett seem to have some nice chemistry. And I really liked George Pickens as a prospect coming out. I think he's a, a number one wide receiver. I think he can be an alpha in an offense. Um, and Deontay Johnson is just a, a target vacuum in the slot. You know, he's going to soak up a lot of targets. Um, probably not going to score a ton, but I think both these guys could return some value. I think one of these guys will jump a couple of the guys that are ahead of him, like Burks, Bateman, London, maybe. Um, but I, I don't know who it'll be at this point. So that's why they're kind of clustered together. Uh, and then I have a DJ Moore, uh, Amari Cooper, Christian Kirk in this next range. Um, I think all of these guys are guys who can be very solid for you, uh, but also question marks. Ayuk, a lot of other options in that passing attack. Um, kind of the same along with Christian Kirk, who was the wide receiver one there, but the uh, Jags did spread the ball out a little bit. You know, and then we have Amari Cooper, who you know he did finish as the wide receiver nine last year, so very productive year. He's going to get Deshaun Watson back. I, I think we could see probably a similar back end wide receiver one year from him. Um, he is just a little bit older, so that's kind of why he hangs out down here in this range. Um, Jameson Williams, Jahan Dotson, Keenan Allen, Gabriel Davis, Corton Sutton, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Juju Smith-Schuster, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans kind of round out the top there. Williams, Jameson Williams, we don't necessarily know what he is yet at this point. He missed essentially the entire year. Um, Jahan Dotson. Definitely question marks with him, too. He's a wide receiver, two in his own team. Uh, like I said, with, with Terry McLaurin, he's going to have uh, Sam Howell as a starting quarterback, most likely, who has one game under his belt. Uh, Keenan Allen is getting older as well. He's probably entering the, the twilight of his uh, fantasy-relevant career here. Um, Gabe Davis, disappointed compared to what people thought he was last year. He was very boomer bust. Um, and so... You know, I, I don't fault people if they have them a little bit higher than this because this is a really murky tier here, but I'm not the biggest fan of him overall. I, I don't love the volatility there. I do like consistency. Um, Cortland Sutton, wide receiver two, I think, on his own team. Um, we don't necessarily know what that pass offense is going to be like. Kind of the same thing with with Williams um, and, and Evans. I think he's going to be the, those guys are going to also be the wide receiver two on their own team. Um, and then with DeAndre Hopkins, he's a little bit older. He's the subject of trade rumors too. Um, so he's down here and then Juju as well, who, um, was a little more boomer bust than what I thought I was expecting from, from him in Kansas city. I thought he would be uh, a pretty consistent wide receiver too on the season. And that just didn't end up being the case. Uh, moving into the tight ends. Uh, I think there's a, a tier zero. There's an elite tier of Travis Kelsey at the top. Um, you know, he was just far and away the best tight end this past year. I mean, he finished with almost a hundred more points than the next closest tight end. Um, in, in overall points, he finished with four full points per game, more than the next closest tight end. Um, he's a little bit older, but he is essentially a wide receiver one in a very pass happy offense in, uh, in a very efficient passing offense in Kansas city. So tier zero, Travis Kelsey, um, next tier down, um, I have Mark Andrews and George Kittle. Um, I think that Andrews, like I said, when I was talking with Monk, and I think he's very safe. He's probably looking at another hundred targets here. Um, he seems to miss a game or two every year, but 
it's not overly concerning. He does he's out there for the most part. Um, and then George Kittle kind of along the same lines. He also seems to miss like a game or two every year. I think he's a little more boomer bust than Andrews, but he also has some some big boom weeks. And he did finish um, this season uh, as the tight end three overall, tight end two in points per game. So we kind of bounced back there for for Kittle. Uh, the next group down, I have Kyle Pitts, TJ Hawkinson, Pat Fryermuth, Dallas Goddard. I think all these guys are pretty reliable. Kyle Pitts, obviously coming off of a disappointment season, disappointing season, played 10 games. That whole offense as a whole was bad. Uh, but I think with I think this offense is going to be a little bit better. I think he's going to play the whole year. Um, I, so he's still a reliable tight end overall. Now, he doesn't have the ceiling in 2023 that some of these other guys do. But once Atlanta gets the quarterback position figured out, I think Kyle Pitts is is still going to be a very good fantasy tight end for the next you know eight to ten years or so. TJ Hawkinson looked much better after the move to Minnesota. So assuming he keeps that up, uh, very solid guy that I, I I like. I think you could rely on him. Dallas Goddard, the wide receiver is the uh, third option in that passing attack. But uh, in terms of tight ends, I mean, he was very productive this year. He finished, uh, he only played 12 games this year, but he finishes the tight end five in points per game. Um, and then Pat Fryermuth, uh, tight end eight overall. Uh, he finished as the tight end 11 in points per game. Um, I, I just think he's a very solid tight end. I think he's going to um, just be a guy who you can start week in, week out uh, for the next eight to 10 years and be happy with it. You're not going to love it, but just really solid. And then the next six down and the last guys that we really care about at this point, um, Dalton Schultz, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, Cole Komet, Zach Ertz, Dawson Knox. So this group here is decent. You know, if you're starting these guys, you don't love it. But, you know, they also could have some nice weeks. Evan Ingram had some really nice weeks this last year. As did Dalton Schultz, but Dalton Schultz is a free agent, so we don't know exactly what he's going to be. Zach Ertz was really good when healthy last year. It's going to be a new offense, uh, but I think Zach Ertz can still be productive. Uh, he is just older than the rest of them here. Uh, David Njoku probably has the highest ceiling out of anybody in this group. He could be the number two passing option in that offense um, tied to Deshaun Watson, uh, but he's just struggled with consistency. And Dawson Knox, kind of the same story. I think he's kind of a low ceiling uh, guy. I think he's a wide receiver or not a wide He's a receiving option like 2B in that offense. Like 2A is Gabe Davis, 2B, Dawson Knox. Um, so you don't love those guys, but you know they're okay. If you start them, you know you're not overly worried about it. So that that wraps up uh, each position here. Looking at the the overall landscape across each position, just gonna wrap it up. I think quarterbacks a little bit more shallow than we're used to. I want two of these two of these top like thirteen guys, uh, and if I don't have both of those, I don't feel like I'm a true uh, you know top team. Um, even if the rest of my roster is still really good, uh, I would feel much, much better if I have two of those top guys. And then you look at the running back position. Um, I think this is, uh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's not deep because there's a lot of guys that I think can be really good. Um, you know, my, my, I have about 15 guys in my tier, you know, one and two. And I think all of those guys are very good, but they all kind of, you know, after that, you kind of have some question marks here. So, 
I think the running back position is going to go under a little bit of flux this past year. Cause if we're throwing in some of these rookies, you know, I'm throwing Bijan in my tier one, you know, I'm throwing probably Gibbs and Evans in my tier two, depending on where they end up. Um, you know, and I think there's a number of guys that could join that tier three, you know, is he Abanaconda, Zach Charbonnet, Devin Achain, all those guys are good. Uh, Kendry Miller, Sean Tucker, Tank Bigsby, all those guys could end up in that range. So these, the running back position is going to be a little bit more in flux. I think the wide receiver position is pretty settled. It's pretty, pretty deep, but at the wide receiver position, there's a, not a ton of difference, I think, between the production you're going to get out of Debo Samuel and Amari Cooper. And there's about 10 to 12 spots in between them. So I want one of those wide receiver ones. I want a guy who's going to uh, be a, a a weak winner for me. And I think that those top nine can do so Um, after that, there's not a ton of difference in that in, you know, wide receiver 10 through wide receiver 30. So I'm not as worried about the middle of those ranges. And then tight end position, I I try to get an elite tight end. So, you know, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts would probably be the top guys that I would look for. But if I have to rely on Hawkinson, Fryermuth, Goddard, you know, I'm okay with that. But I want one of those tight ends that I feel good about each week. Uh, But that is going to do it for me here tonight. Uh, As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have the freshman and supplemental draft guide dropping on Wednesday. Get your pre-orders in for that now. Get that in your inbox at midnight on March 1st. You're not going to want to miss this. This is one of our best products that we put out all year. Uh, But that is going to do it for me tonight. I will be back on Tuesday with Campus Life. I will have another guest with me here, and we will be breaking down uh, C2C startup strategy. So uh, that that's going to be a good one for you guys. But until then, I'm Colin and have a good one.